Would you please bow your heads in prayer with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. So, before we hear our scripture lesson for today, if you already read it while you were waiting, you know, or getting bored during the service already, you might notice some weird stuff happening. So before we hear it, I want to give a brief introduction to this text, because this text, it's something to chew on, pun intended, okay? And as I spent more time with this lectionary reading over the last week, I wondered if my colleagues' absences today were in fact a coincidence. John 6, 51 through 58 is a text that when it comes up in the lectionary, others, more wise and more experienced pastors than I, may have gone for the Old Testament or Epistle lesson. But I insisted on preaching from the Gospel of John text this week. Because no matter how wild the metaphor, I love the way in which John challenges his listeners to think about Jesus. John loves illustrating Jesus in a textually rich and vibrant tone that is unique to the fourth gospel. Here, we meet Jesus at the conclusion of the Bread of Life discourse given at the synagogue in his hometown of Capernaum, his adulthood hometown. This discourse follows the stories of both the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. The fact that Jesus delivers this sermon in his hometown makes it especially difficult for his listeners to accept these words, provocative words and claims that appear to be somewhat exaggerated. John's portrayal of Jesus is not an easy one to understand, even when he's talking to his friends like he is here. So as you listen to this lesson, in just a few moments, remember that John is a poet, not like the Dr. Seuss kind of poet and needing that rhyming language. John's a poet, and he favors metaphor and imagery. His primary goal in this text is to further communicate the identity of Jesus. So with open hearts and open minds and open ears, let us now listen for what God is saying to the church. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world 
is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen. So I've mentioned before, you know, that I come from a large family. I'm one of four children. That's practically an anomaly these days. You know, it doesn't, you don't always hear about that. And our, our makeup's kind of weird. Three girls and one boy. My dear, dear brother, living with women his whole life, groomed him to be a very fabulous husband, I must say. You know, he's very thoughtful, and he always knows how to make his sisters laugh. And my brother Scott patented something that he calls the compliment sandwich. It's where you start with the compliment, you throw in the ringer, and you end with a compliment. For example, if I were to turn to my brother and ask, Scott, you know, does this dress look okay to you? He would say, Kelly, you know, I really like that. However, I'm not really sure it's really the look you're going for, but you know what? You look beautiful in anything. That's the compliment sandwich, okay? Y'all can use it. In John, we are handed an extra large serving of what I like to call the grace sandwich. We start with grace, John throws in the ringer, and we end with a reiteration of grace. Sandwiched together with bread. Bread is our main concern here. Bread is the metaphor that will never end in John 6. Jesus has spent the last 25 verses talking about bread. So clearly this image of bread is of great importance to the author. But why bread? What's the big deal with bread? Bread is a common item for households to have in Capernaum at this time. Therefore, bread is accessible. Bread is a powerful thing. It's nourishment for our bodies. We refer to mealtime as breaking bread together. It's what many restaurants offer before the main entree in a meal. It's universal. Communities around the world are known for their local bread items. 
Bread is a powerful thing. It's accessible, it's powerful, and it's unifying. And for Christians, it's our physical reminder of God's love. It's at this moment that bread becomes tangible grace. This idea of tangible grace is introduced with a sense of urgency early on in the text. Jesus begins verse 53 saying, Truly, truly, I tell you, this literary tool, this truly, truly, it possesses an emphatic function and indicates that important instruction is on its way. So right away, we get to the real meat of this passage or in this case, the flesh. This is where a significant shift in our story occurs. Jesus moves from referring to himself as the bread of life to flesh. What could this language mean? I mean, really, what is John getting at here? Is Jesus low-key encouraging cannibalism? Why would Jesus talk to us in this way? Because he's not only, he does not only want to talk to us in this moment, but he wants to touch us. He is looking to make an impression on our hearts, our minds, and our souls. He wants to reach into our bodies and fill our senses. Kind of like that feeling, that sensation we get when this, we smell freshly baked bread. Or when we have that first sip of coffee in the morning. That happens a lot for me. It's a sensational experience. Jesus is highly aware of the comforting, nourishing powers of bread. But even more so, he knows the spiritual nourishment his body desires, his audience desires, that they need. Eugene Peterson's The Message translates this specific portion as the following. The one who brings a hearty appetite to this eating and drinking has eternal life and will be fit and ready for the final day. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. By eating my flesh and drinking my blood, you enter into me and I into you. This translation, it brings a little bit of clarity for us. Blood and flesh, these are our signs, our indicators for tangible grace. So this simply means that Jesus' flesh and blood are true food and drink, bringing us sustenance at the deepest level of our being. This sustenance is attained by our belonging to God. And the author is strategic here in explaining the intimacy of that belonging. In verse 56, we read, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. The promise to those who eat and drink is that they abide in Jesus and Jesus in them. 
Abide here, it comes from the Greek word meno. Meno is used when discussing deep relationships, true dwelling with one another. This isn't a word you would use for a friendship or a partnership. It's something much, much deeper. This concept of abiding in or dwelling in is important in this gospel. It's not the first time we've heard it. For example, in chapter 14, Jesus promises the disciples that the spirit of truth will abide with them and will be in them. Or in chapter 15, Jesus invites the disciples, remain in me and I in you, mirroring such abiding to the relationship between vine and branches. There is a deep level of devotion and love up for grabs here, so this use of language is most appropriate. Finally, the discourse comes to an end, and Jesus repeats his introductory verse. This is the bread that came down from heaven, and not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. Bread again. Yeah, I imagine that some of the disciples may be thinking to themselves, here he goes again with all of this bread talk. Well, yeah, he is. Because in this story, we're the humans. We're the ones that need to be taught. We are the ones that need repetition and physical, tangible examples in order to grasp these teachings. This is Jesus' final attempt at explaining tangible grace. When he proclaims the one who eats this bread will live forever, he is promising us eternal life, a quality of spiritual life that we can begin enjoying now. This text, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to lifelong salvation. This passage is like a closing paragraph to Jesus' lengthy biography throughout John 6. He has told us here that he is the bread of life, he's walked on water, he's fed the 5,000, and now he is here to tell us all what this means. I like to understand this discourse as kind of a roundabout way of Jesus inviting us over to dinner at his house a chance for us to get to know a new person in town. And, you know, we're in the South, so we well know that the proper response to any dinner party invitation is, what can I bring? What can we do to help spread the word of this great, tasty bread? How can we contribute? Well, friends, that's why we're here this morning to offer our lives and devote our bodies to God's service. Some of you may be familiar with the phrase, food for the journey. The notion that just as our bodies need physical food, we need spiritual nourishment for our souls as we journey through life. And this grace sandwich that John teaches us about in John 6 
is our food for the journey. For the journey ahead, our walk with God is always one big grace sandwich. Sometimes it's served with an extra side of mercy, or maybe an additional serving of doubt. Perhaps at times our grace sandwich is overwhelming, or kind of left in the back of the fridge and gets a little stale once we ignore it for a bit. But no matter what, there's always bread, hearty, loving, grace-filled bread. And there's always enough. Amen.